You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Guidepost. Third time's a charm, because that's how many times we tried to start this podcast. We're running 26 minutes late right now. Um, we got, man, was it a scene today at, in Louisiana at the uh, at the Redfish hearing? Um, we got Bailey, Blaine, Cody, and Ty here to talk about it and i keep laughing because like when you log into this thing you can put any name in the uh in the box to describe yourself and sometimes people get really creative and i keep looking down at one person and i almost say the name instead of the person and it's probably going to get me in trouble at some point in this podcast (laughs) but uh but hey we're here to talk about redfish and i got to tell you on the one podcast that we just messed up bailey was reminiscing about uh about catching bass at the little pond right by the LDWF building in Baton Rouge. So Bailey, even though you were born and raised in Connecticut, you came all the way down to fish that pond in Baton Rouge. Tell us that story again. (laughs) Yeah. You know, born and raised in Connecticut and swapped at birth with some baby down here at woman's hospital in Baton Rouge. Did your, uh, did your original Yankee parents put you in a reed basket and push you down a river? I think that must've been (laughs) the case. Uh, Something, something like that. But uh, yeah, you know, anytime, you know, we go up to there for these meetings in Baton Rouge, and I live south of New Orleans now. But, uh, yeah, it's where I'm from. It's always cool to kind of come back to the hometown. It's changed a lot. But, yeah, what we were talking about before we had to restart was that little bass pond. I think, uh, man, Ty, do you remember the name of that building? I cannot remember the name of it right now. But there's this giant, like— The one next door? Uh, yeah, the one out in front when you like turn down the street out in front of uh, the wildlife fisheries building. It's like a sleep study place. They do a bunch of medical research. I was about to say, it. I think it's like a yeah medical research place. I don't remember I don't the know. name. It's like Kenilworth I or something. That at all costs. <laughs> but anyway, while they're doing all that stuff, I, I think I've like spectated them doing sleep studies at night in there because you can like, I've been out there in the shade in the cover of night bass fishing in the pond until the security guard <laughs> makes me jump the fence and runs me off. But yeah, it was cool to, it's always cool to go back up there. I drive by that pond and always think about fishing it again. So, uh, okay, let's, <clears throat> let's switch gears as a veteran of many hearings. And I got to give a, give a shout out to Ron. Um, this was a special hearing on Redfish, the amended notice of intent. So they didn't live stream it. And I was losing my mind because uh, I couldn't listen. And Ron may allegedly may or may not have helped me watch portions of the meeting by live streaming me through his phone. Guy's a trooper. Uh, and if that did happen, I'd just like to say thanks to Ron. So <laughs> I'll jump. I'll jump right to the end, but like I, Ron probably had me going on there for an hour. I heard most of the testimony and then people just started yelling at each other. And then my feed cut out. And my last couple of texts were, does anyone need bail money? I'll tell Sue where to send it. And then Cody said, we can be there in a few hours from Florida. Where are they holding you? So we we just figured that it had turned into like a full scale like Irish bar Donnybrook. Um, last thing I saw was Bailey just turning around and being like, "Well, you don't know the science" or something like that. And then he got up. And- yeah, I got blamed for I got blamed for starting COVID or something after that. I, something was okay. Out of that. No, let's put a they- let's put a pin in that for a second because <laughs> I want to get back to the fact that Bailey started COVID. I was picturing the the street fight from uh, Anchorman, where there's like all the different news stations are there, and they're like, the one rule is don't touch Bailey's hair. That's the only rule. <laughs> it was well protected throughout. PBS, no commercials, no mercy. Like that was, you know what I mean? Um, 
So that's, we're going to save the COVID for a little bit. And I just wanted to set up where the meeting ended. Now let's talk about what the meeting was about and how it started and what the, what the hell, ha like textbook out, do not let it get this out of control, right? Like textbook. So guys, what the heck happened? Well, I mean, definitely ran off the rails a bit. It's pretty funny when, uh, you know, Patrick and Jason have to kind of play moderator at a official state, you know, biologist meeting. Patrick had to get on and remind everybody while we were there and not to, you know, yell across the classroom like he was our teacher and take it outside for recess if that was the case. But um, pretty much started, this was just a potpourri meeting. They just have to have this legally when they amend anything after that, you know, last thing at the Senate got shot down. This is why they had this after our other meeting back in December. And this is pretty much just like, you know, a cordial kind of like, all right, we're taking public comments, uh, not as formal as the usual monthly meetings as the commissioners aren't there. And we're just kind of getting up there and talking basically into the camera in front of us because it's used to record to be recorded and sent to the commissioners and for everybody to see. Um, but a lot of people, you know, just kind of turned around and they wanted to address the crowd, which it's kind of hard not to, it's hard to just talk to a wall or a camera or whatever. Especially but um, as Patrick developer. reminded us, yeah, I mean, as Patrick reminded us, uh, Patrick Banks, who I'm talking about at Wally Fisheries, as he reminded us, you know, like, Hey, this meeting's about redfish, redfish knows of a tent that was amended. And can we keep it about that? And uh, it's it was far from that, at least for a lot of the opposition and all, you know, like Bailey said, and like everybody said, it's look, we're, there's so many issues. Shane Mayfield made a great comment about it. There's a lot of issues against redfish. There's land loss. There's, you know, pogey boats are an issue. A lot of people blame bow fishing are an issue, which um, Bailey said had made a great point at the end. He was like, well, look. You know, if you look based on the science and every the things that we have to go off of, because we can't just make up things and say, well, this is why, I don't know why, we don't have a scientific reason of how we got this information, but this is why, based on what we have to go off of the science, these are the reasons that, you know, are hurting redfish, and this is all we can do right now. We can't just throw darts and say it's that person's fault, so let's blame them. You know, everybody wants to point fingers when, at the end of the day, we got to look at ourselves and uh, do something ourselves before we start pointing fingers at pogey boats, at land loss, at everything. I mean, I think they all need to be addressed. But, you know, we're talking about a 50-year plan when we're talking about addressing everything. We're not going to snap our fingers overnight and make all the marsh come back. We're not going to snap our fingers and make pogey boats disappear, you know. Um, I mean, this is the knob we have to turn right now. And we're trying to turn it. And uh, it's just there's so many people that... I think it's more just afraid of change. People are terrified to change because it's the way Louisiana has always been. Well, it seemed like it turned from public comments to public debate. And yeah. Yeah. Well, just to chime in on that, Tony, I mean, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's where, unfortunately there's a level of this stuff that like you start getting some like, some very generalized idea of who's on either side of this. Certain people want to paint this picture as like a, you know, fly fisherman versus everyone else uh, type deal or catch and release guys versus catch and keep guys. And, and all this, it's almost to me, it's, it's almost like name calling. Uh, and, and it's, and it's just like, look, you know, we've said it again and again, um, the people that support um, the current NOI and the NOI before that, you know, we just want to do the right thing for the fishery. We just want to do, um, you know, what what we think is going to make the best change the quickest. And it did get it get it's it's interesting to me the amount of passion you see at these meetings, um, especially from some of these guys standing up and, and screaming and yelling and and cussing uh, in in a public um, forum like that. And yeah, I mean, we all feel pretty passionate about the subject. We all feel pretty. Uh, you know, it's near and dear to all of our hearts. It's how we make a living. And it's also something we love, but it's like, 
you know, I, I think so much gets lost in this idea that, that, uh, like Ty and, and myself and, and all of you out of staters, all of you, you know, Yankees want to tell us what to do, um, with the fishery. And, and the reality is, is like, you know, look, I'm a South Louisiana born and bra- born and raised. I hate people telling me what to do. I freaking hate it. That's why I became a guide because I don't do well with people telling me what to do. I like to do my own thing. I, I, I have my boat and I'm the captain. Um, and so I understand the resistance to being told what you can and can't do. Uh, I think that's a, you know, Ty, I think you'd agree. Blaine, I think, and Cody, I mean, you know, we like doing our own thing. Um, so I understand it's a little bit like, you know, you feel encroached on or whatever. And, and I've, I've set it up there today and, and I said at the meeting before, it's like, you know, I don't get excited by telling these guys, Hey, we need to start keeping less fish. It's just a fact. I mean, look at the, look at the numbers, look at the science. And if you're not going to go off of that, then what are you going to go off of? I mean, what's the, where, where do we base any argument if that's not what we use as the baseline here? And, and, you know, that just gets lost. Well, here's the, here's the rundown. And I, I have a, I'm super fortunate because I can, I'm, you know, kind of hear all these meetings in the Gulf and from, you know, Florida up to Maine. Um, I listen to a lot of them and it's really interesting. You could look at this and say, Hey, the fish, the fisher, all the fish problems are all the same. They just look a little different. I think I've told you guys that like a hundred times, but when you listen to the meetings, it's amazing because the people who are resistant to change when the stock is going down all say the same thing in no uncertain order the science is bad you don't know where to catch fish you're not a good fisherman i had the best year i've ever had this is what i've always done and I should be allowed to continue to do it. And then the science side says, we want these fish around for generations to come. We've, we've looked at the science. This is what the science said. And in y'all's case, would you like to get back to where we were in 10 years or 30 years? And that's, that's our side and their side is the science is bad you don't know how to fish you're a bad fisherman i had the best in my i had the best fishing in my life and i have to keep doing this i've always been able to do it or i'm going to go out of business if you don't let me kill x amount of fish fascinating fascinating you i could tape one meeting and just play no, the I testimony. Yeah, Blaine. I mean, what do you? Yeah, I've, I've been I've been a part of several of these meetings the past year and a half or two years, maybe going on now. And how these people and we've talked about this before, but it's just like it's sell, they're selling the wrong idea about what fishing's all about. And 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 a lot of your my clients also are saying, well, it's got to be commercial fishing. And I'm like, no, it's not. A lot of it's recreational is the problem, and it's 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 us guides it's us anglers it's it's us trying it's resistance to change nobody wants to be told what to do whatever and that's like a perfect example is as you go you look at yeah fly guides we always get that we always get that you know we're just elitist or whatever just you know uh tree huggers you call us whatever you want but it's like you know what we're looking at it in a big at the big picture and you know we're selling we're selling a a good time we're selling everything about our day it's not always about the fish it's about the experience it's about everything and obviously we don't know how to catch fish so that's what we got to do right so because we don't know how to find fish we don't know how to catch them so we just got to sell it all but and if we don't have 50 fish sitting on a dock at the end of the day it doesn't you know we didn't do anything and that it's just not sustainable you can't do that i don't care where you are in the country and Tony and I have talked about this countless times and you hear it at every one of these meetings when you have resistance from the other side. And it's not like we're trying to keep people from keeping their fish. And I, and I explained that to my clients today. I was like the difference in a 50 year recovery over a 12 
13-year recovery was like literally inches and one fish. It was amazing. You know, it, it comes down to – Well, you had a guy today up there, uh, not to cut you off, but you had a guy today up there just saying, just give us one more fish back. Give us one more fish back. And we were like, <laughs> yeah, that's 13 years. That one fish is 13 years. And, and that, you know, in the in the – combination he was talking about and it's like you know it's it's again it's this framing of the argument in a way you know that it's this like oh it's just one more fish it's like no it's 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 15 that's years. what i think uh like going off of that you know what that guy said and i think that's where it lies and all the misinformation and all that we've seen throughout this whole ordeal um just like i tell everybody i'm like look you want to have a good conversation let's sit there and talk about it like bailey said at kind of the end of the meeting he was like i'm more than willing to you know talk to anybody and they said one thing and bailey you know came back with something that he agreed and like 25 people over there started shouting at him and yelling and he was like well i guess we can't have a civil conversation that's right anyway, when i got cut off that's right when yeah. ron's feet died <laughs> I, and I was stormed. like <laughs> ron was getting ready he thought he was gonna have to jump up and get attacked <laughs> But um, no, I mean, that's what just, it comes to, down just to, to, so. to bring it back completely to center, because we're only like a little bit into this. This was the NOI that we came back and offered to the commission after we were shot down at a with a pretty tight slot and, and three fish. So the compromise was stay at three fish and broaden the slot a little bit with no giant fish and no guide limits. And that because that's like the biggest complaint that we heard was this it's too narrow of a slot so this meeting was a public comment hearing to collect comments to give to the oversight committee in the louisiana legislature if there's if there is a hearing in the next 30 days so you know there was a lot of i heard most of the testimony congratulations to you guys you did a great job you hit the science you hit like the cultural aspects you hit every everything and and y'all are just incredible advocates and what we heard in return was you guys are from out of state uh you don't tell us what to do and stood in the ldlbwf building and told them how how crappy their science was yeah that was just incredible to me because i tell everybody i'm like look Here's the deal with the biologists and all up there. And I worked in that building for a while and I saw the ins and out of it under a different administration than what we have now. I think the administration, we just, we changed a little bit uh, this past year, but the previous six years, the best administration that I've probably ever seen up there as far as getting things accomplished and really relying on the science and leaning on true science and uh, like good, hard, you know, core research. But um, it drives, nothing bothers me more than when people discount that, you know, whether we like it or not, you can't, well, like I tell everybody, those guys are, they're making the same paycheck no matter what. Everybody seems to forget that we are allowed to catch more and keep more red snapper than anywhere else in the Gulf and the East Coast. And we're allowed tenfold the amount of days to chase red snapper. And that's because of our walleye fisheries at, you know, Louisiana walleye fisheries biologists, because they're some of the best in the country. And they came up with research that butted heads with some of the federal research. And they said, well, you know what? We think our research is a little bit better and a little bit more accurate. We're going to allow everybody, you know, in, in our state to catch more fish and give us more days because of it. You know, and it's been they've been proven right on that. And uh, nobody was at that meeting when we had that a couple of years ago. I don't remember a single person that came up and said, I don't think we should be allowed to keep more red snapper, you know. I think we should keep less red snapper and go back to fishing for them for 10 days a year. I didn't hear any of that. But every time I bring that up, people are nowhere to be found. They're like, oh, well, this is different. This is different. I'm like, no, it's the same science. It was brought to us by Lacreel, which is something that Louisiana developed um, to butt against the federal system and kind of be like a backup plan to that. And it really came through, especially this past summer. And, um, you know, it's just it's just funny when it's inconvenient for somebody else. They don't believe the science. But the second it's convenient for them, they're all for it. You know, they're all for. Well, like you, more you made a great point when the science says you can keep more fish. The scientists are brilliant. Absolutely. And that's the thing. You know, people I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, there's ulterior motives. You know, they're to skew the science. I'm like, for what? These guys get paid. That like, was they get paid like dirt. 
to go up there and be trashed by these people. Absolutely trashed and dog cussed and treated like garbage. By, by people who clearly did not even take the time to look at the fine the, the, the broad points of the stock assessment. Absolutely. I mean, dude, they have they have the full stock assessment up there in one document. They have projections in another document. They have a video explaining the stock assessment. I got to think they did that because of our video that we did, but I won't go there. I'm, I'm giving <laughs> them kudos. So they have multiple documents, videos, everything completely transparent. They have the whole way that they did it, the entire methodology. And if it had said you could kill 10 redfish instead of five, they would have had a they would have had a float for him in the Mardi Gras. Perfection. Absolutely, and that, it was comical that somebody actually stood up over there, and they were like, "What are the you know what do these forty five and and thirty or thirty five and forty two percentages mean?" I'm like, "Have you not been to any meeting for the past two years? Because if you understand reduction percentages, then obviously, why are you here? You shouldn't even be here." In that room. Well, not only were those guys basically saying the science sucked. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I heard a couple of them just scream out horseshit at any mention of the stock survey or any or anything, but also question the um, like question the motives and the agenda behind. So it's like two different two different accusations you got going on. First, the science sucks. And then there's obviously, if it doesn't suck and it's right, well, then somebody somewhere is, is you know, so getting paid, this making is the money perfect on it, segue. You know? I think this is the perfect segue to explain how Bailey started COVID. Well, I quoted the stocking <laughs> survey of, of, you know, the, the survey of redfish in Louisiana and talked about how, you know, basically we had a guy stand up and start yelling at us about all the different problems that are presented to redfish in this state about oyster beds and pogie boats and coastal degradation and, and, and erosion and all that. And, you know, first of all, I just want to say, if I, if I would have said more than, than what I said, all of those things just make me think that we should probably be even more conservative with the redfish limits, because obviously this is a multifaceted problem and this is, this is bigger than us. And yeah, I, I don't think we're going to stop coastal erosion anytime soon. And so we probably should go down to like two fish, uh, really, because, I mean, you know, when those guys start saying that. But all I said was, you know, I said, why do you think the pogie boats are killing so many more fish than we are? Because um, according to the survey, you know, that's not right. And, uh, yeah, like Ty said earlier, we started getting screamed at. I, I, I've not, That was interesting, man. I, I was getting multiple fronts of attack and then some dude in the back shouted out something about yeah i mean that's what they did to us with covid or something and i i think i'm a government agent yeah he said that's what happened with covid and i was like man we if we are equivalenting a small you know walleye fisheries uh place in louisiana to what happened with the united states and covid then geez no we time. are that, that's a different for a different room. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to start a conspiracy co podcast for that guy because, I mean, you want to go down that road. And if you do want to go down that road and say that Wildlife Fisheries has artillery, oh, shoot, I can't say now, <laughs> has other motives for, um, you know, changing things. So that's basically saying that they're going to lower, if they try and lower the limit, then, um, I mean, they're making extra money now. They're making more money because they're lowering the limit. Because I don't think that's how wildlife fisheries works. Like I said, if the stock assessment you could kill, you could you said you could kill more, you'd have a, they'd have a parade for the LDWF biologists. There's nothing more in the if you don't think that those biologists saw the results of that stock assessment and went shit, I know what I'm doing for the next two years listening to people yelling mm -hmm. at me about this that's the last thing they wanted to see and it's the last thing that they want to say they just want to do their job you got people questioning them for stuff like that and you know and then some people are like oh there's no problem at all and then the same notion they're like but we should do something about the pogey boats they're killing so many i'm like well if there's no problem then why do the pogey boats have to do anything why do we have to worry about land loss and all this well you know? do y'all do y'all do y'all want to get into the, this is a bunch of people from who, who aren't from here 
and the connective thread to that and the pogey boats yeah absolutely just skip okay i mean that's you know listen the biggest organization down here i mean where where are they getting their funding from to point the finger at the pogey boats the whole time i mean you're gonna like what's and i told ty this and i know ty you can you you i'm sure you'd say the same thing i mean you're looking at these guys all get up there and they're talking about the validity of the numbers and you can make statistics, say whatever you want. And let's question that, you know, that science there's, there's ulterior motives and agendas. Well, the biggest agenda in that room is what CCA is doing by pointing the finger at the pogey boats. And and you look at where, where is that money coming from? And, and that's, that's a like, is that a motivation? Is that motivation for them to talk about that? I mean, I, I think, you know, I took, uh, you know, when I was in school, I studied political science and stuff. And like, you know, the best friend to a politician is a problem that never goes away. Absolutely. That you can point the finger at forever, that you can get funding for, that you can get people behind you for. And you can continuously say that that is the boogeyman. We should all be terrified. And they are causing all of our misfortunes and bad things. And when you look at the, again, if any reasonable person takes a look at that uh, stock assessment, and understands like the numbers and looks at it. And then you're going to tell me that the pogey boat is the biggest problem in this equation. Like, look, I, I definitely, I get tired of looking at all the dead redfish when I drive by them and it is a problem, but come on. I mean, and that's the thing too, Bailey. Like, so I remember I was one of the only person, I was one of the only people in the state of Louisiana that was a guide or just a fisherman to go to the meeting we had two years ago to push them off a mile, the pogey boats, which was mm-hmm. really incredible to me. And, I, you know, that's kind of before you started seeing everybody talk about it. I'm guessing that's before the money came to fight the pogey boats because you didn't really hear much about exactly. it until all of a sudden, out of the blue, everybody's concerned. You know, I've been talking about this forever um, for, shoot, 10 years. Shane's been telling me about it for longer than that. Shane Mayfield, Daniel Plackman's, I mean, they've been dealing with it their whole lives, you know? And uh, it's just almost like, here's our scapegoat. Here's the boogeyman. Let's just blow this up. And I'm not trying to defend any of the Menhaden fleet. I think it's something that needs to be researched and needs to be looked into more. They're doing research about it. I'm not really in agreement with what they're doing. Ty, we and- submitted a letter. Yeah, I mean, we just yeah, got I mean, we the said, way that the public's be being informed. Yeah, we, I mean, we submitted a letter of support for the Menhaden NOI that would establish a mile buffer and a three-mile buffer and some of those kind of what I would say is deemed as important areas. Um, and we were, you know, we were very clear. You know, we were very clear. Like, you can't operate a purse seine in shallow water or it's not a purse seine doesn't allow predatory fish to escape from the bottom and you know the buff okay so like a buffer zone in the gulf is way different than a buffer zone in like the atlantic because you know if you're three miles out you're getting into that like okay that water's deep enough to where that person ain't sitting on the bottom you know it gets a little deeper faster here y'all got to go a real long way um so buffer zone's a little bit different but, you know, it, we stated very clearly in our letter, and this is the only point I wanted to make, um, is that it's definitely better for the resource, the further off that they fish, um, because then the nets are actually being used in the right way. But this is not going to solve the problem with redfish. It's not. There's no way. It wouldn't solve the problem with redfish in 100 years. No, you could take the pogey boats out completely and we'd still be having these meetings. Yeah, that's what I tell you. It's a, it's a factor of it all. You know, we need they, everybody wants to complain about pogey boats and land loss. I'm like, well, this is the knob we have to turn right now is reduce the limits. So let's do this and say, hey, we as recreational and charter fishermen are ready for change and ready to get things done. So the faster we turn this knob, the faster we can get something to go against pogey boats. What's better than to take it to that Senate meeting when we go to push the pogey boats out and say, hey, we as charter recreational fishermen said, we're willing to take the cut to protect this fishery. So you have to get tell them to do something to take the cut to protect this fishery. And then if that's done, let's go bring it to the feds or whoever we got to and say, hey, 
we've done everything we can. It's y'all's turn to help rebuild this marsh because it's so valuable to this country, not just. Well, I would say you're in a lot better negotiating position if you say, hey, we, we represent over 90% of the fishing mortality as recreational fishermen and we'll take the cut. And then you come back and you say, but everyone else has to participate at the same level. You know what I, what I've That's been thinking That's a lot of... better position, guys. We have Bailey. Oh, yeah, sure. oh I was just going to say, you know, it's something that kind of I thought about uh, lately, thinking about the pogey boat stuff. You know, I mean, we've all seen the videos and obviously Ty and I have seen it in person out there. The, the redfish, you know, uh, the dead flotillas of redfish out there. And it's when, a gruesome When y'all are fishing out there, do your families miss you in New York and California? <laughs> I send or messages not. in a bottle if I can okay, catch the Okay, the I was just link. checking. I was checking. Yeah. Ty's like, man, I can't wait to get those fresh avocados when Jeez. I go home to San Diego, you know? That's, I mean, that's one thing that really drove me nuts about this whole ordeal. The past really, like, year and a half or so is the misinformation from other people. And we've seen it from pay, from papers like the Advocate newspaper. We've seen, you know different things written not as much as trying to mislead people but like come on you're a newspaper and you should be able to get the facts from people yeah they had information on previous meetings back in october they had wrong slot sizes on there they you know was said this was done at the at the august meeting when it was done at the july meeting it's not major things but like come on if i get the facts right whether i like it or not everybody else should and then you see things and hear things about oh it's all it's just 20 out of state fly fishermen which is just so comical because everybody that was there today lives there and it's not just fly fishermen i fly fish but surely not as near as some other people do i'm spin fishing that's all I than I i'm a purist <laughs> and i mean I'll, I'll have guys i book trips all the time for people that go and they keep fish and i tell them i'm like look i'm just telling you when you call me to book a trip to keep fish i'm telling you hey we don't let people keep more than, you know, about three fish or so. The guide's not going to keep theirs. I'm just letting you know we don't like to kill a lot of fish, but you're more than happy to keep a couple with these guys that go in the bay boat. But they're going to give you the best trip you ever have, no matter what you catch. And that's how I want everybody that works with me or for me to, to understand, like, hey, this is about you coming back and remembering how awesome of a time you had, not remembering how many fish you put in the damn ice chest. Ty, you just, you just rang a bell for me, man. Like in that hearing, somebody was like, well, you guys don't keep any fish, but let us keep them. <laughs> and I was like, that's not how this works, yeah. <laughs> right? Like you, that's, that's not how regulations work, man. Yeah. You know, that's one of the main thing I always tell people. And that's going back to like, oh, they don't believe the science and all. And this is, this is not scientific bound or anything. This is common freaking sense. I tell people this all the time. Look. You want to not believe the science and do all that. That's great and all, but let me just run this through your head real quick. If you go ahead and we go with what you're saying and we don't do anything and we just say, oh, Mother Nature's going to take it back. Well, if you're wrong, we're all screwed. We're all out of a job. We don't have any fish. Um, we, I mean, we're not rebuilding anytime soon. We're all looking for jobs. But if we do what you know, I've been saying, what we've all been saying, and take the more conservative approach and get things like this through, what's the worst case scenario? If I'm wrong, if the, the science I'm looking at is wrong, we have a better fishery. That's the worst case scenario if we go through with things like this. And that's, you know, it, it should be common sense, but people get so caught up in things they hear, you know. And I, I, one of the biggest things that has bothered me is uh, people, you know, just – all the different people that are very influential in Louisiana, especially in our inshore fishery. Um, and then you see things like CCA will post something and they're just talking about the meeting and saying their SANS is the original proposal from walleye fisheries, which is great and all, but you, you don't see any of them talking about the recovery time. You don't see them talking about spawning potential ratios. You don't see them talking about escapement rates and how you know, this is a 30. I'll tell you, somebody sent me a screenshot, Ty. Somebody sent me a screenshot of some social media banter and it was incredibly dishonest because a leader said that redfish aren't overfished. Now that is true right now today, but because of the way that redfish mature and 
turn into adults and the fishing pressure and you mix all that up, redfish are going to be overfished in the next couple of years and you can't stop it. So it's abs. I think it's totally dishonest to tell the public that redfish aren't overfished, but yeah, they're going to be, it's coming. It's going to happen. There's nothing you can do to stop it. There haven't been a lot of baby redfish being born. It's a borderline disinformation campaign is what it is. I mean, I'm, I'll be, I'll, I'll just say it. I mean, when you get every single person in opposition of this stuff, get up there and blatantly say things that are not true and are false and, and are just not their baseless claims. I mean, one of two things is happening. Either every single one of those guys up there don't know their ass from a hole in the ground that are getting up and talking, which I think is true for some of them. But then I think you've also got quite a bit of misinformation being spread and uh, and just bad. Just just again, it's all the, it's this framing of this them versus us, us versus them, um, the politics around this thing, which obviously is inevitable. But it's like, look, we're just trying to do the right thing for the fishery. And something I wanted to say earlier that that's really been like bouncing around in my head with this. You know, we talk about we, we look at these videos from the pogie fleets of the dead redfish everywhere and, and how awful this is to see all these redfish floating around and and it's a terrible sight for sure but like you know ty think about like hopedale marina on like a saturday when the weather's nice and there's like three no, or 400 trucks <laughs> if, if you took a picture killed. of every fish that those guys brought back over the course of the day like think if you just piled those things up and like put your kids next to them how that pile of dead fish would be like over your freaking kid's head i mean I'll be That's over the building stuff you see when marina. you go in like yeah you know when you like see those old timey black and white pictures and it's like the guy with the like 300 pound largemouth bass he caught and like <laughs> you know back when we had buffalo roaming the plains of louisiana or some shit it's like they're sitting on all the heads of the buffalo. yeah like we're still doing that kind of down here sometimes like when we've got like you know you see those pictures of like the dude's got the the backhoe full of sheep's head that's literally the entire bucket is like sheep's head in an excavator and it's all sheep's head and it's yeah and that's my thing and and what i was getting back to with that meeting we had two years ago to push the pokebus off um i think it was debra got up there and i thought it was i mean good move on their part you know they're they're smart people with some well-paid lawyers behind that organization daybrook and omega and that you know what they did they got up there and they showed everybody pictures and videos of all these guides with bull reds laid out and piles of fish laid out on docks. And you know what the Senate did? They looked at that and they had nothing to say because the pogey guys, the Manhattan fleet, they got up there and said, look, I understand y'all are mad at us from a public relations standpoint, but we've been, you know, doing everything as we should. And y'all agree. So like Wally fisheries agrees at that was, this was two years ago at the time. And I just, they said, I mean, you can go back and watch it. It's for public views, public eyes. You go back and watch the video. And they said, I think you need to reevaluate who the real problem is because it's definitely not as bad for us as you could see it is in the recreational and commercial fishing fleet. And I mean, they're not wrong. They literally showed dock shots of piles of fish and people, you know, laughing and standing by them and celebrating all these piles of fish. Well, the pokey industry, they just use that against us. And they're like, well, you know, these people are going to, they're they're sitting there, you know, hooping and hollering and smiling and happy about these all these piles of fish. And then the pokey boat industry is going to sit there and, you know, play the, play the, oh, you know, sorry me and say, oh, it's not really us. We don't really like killing all those fish, which, I mean, that that's the better part that they can play. I mean, they just, and then to go at the meeting back in November, and have the largest conservation organization anywhere in the country go against a progressive and conservationist redfish movement. I mean, I could write their speech that they're going to say at this at this Midhate meeting in a couple of weeks. They're going to get up there and say, oh, why should we do anything when the recreational fishing fleet and recreational and commercial fishing organizations don't care at all? They don't want any change. So why should we get up there and make a change for ourselves? I mean... It's it's just making our job to fight pogey boats harder and harder the more we keep pushing back against movements, you know, against progressive conservationist movements like the SNOI.
Well, I don't think you can say that you're a conservation organization and in the same breath ever make the statement saying that one decision is too much conservation. Like it, it's just inherently broken. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just inherently <laughs> completely broken to say like, oh, we like this. This is conservation, but it's just too much conservation. Uh, here's the deal, man. I'm just going to tell you, you need to go find yourself a New York stockbroker that is all about keeping three fish and you need to get him to start writing some freaking checks <laughs> down here. And then we might have some, because until we have that. Well, so I want to, I want to dive in, Tony. I want to, I had a realization while I was listening to you guys talk about the whole, like, Oh, this is just about out of state people trying to tell us how to run our fishery. Here's the most beautiful irony of it all. Right. They don't want out of state voices in a fisheries conversation where their stance is they need more fish to drive business because out-of-state people are saying their business isn't worth money unless they can keep so many fish. So out-of-state people are already telling you how to live your damn life, and you're biff-whipped by them. And you have out-of-state ding, 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 ding. help you with your fishery, and you're letting other state out. Like, it's it's maddening how beautiful the island. And I realized that earlier, and I'm like, holy shit, the out-of-state people already run their Bailey, lives. I, I think, <laughs> I think, uh, I think we just fast found talking trash panda. He just needs to change his voice a little bit. We can wind Cody up, man. That could be a new character on the podcast. <laughs> I think we just found him. But excellent, <laughs> excellent points, Cody, on uh, on that because so you know. To, to to circle up on well they should come fish here but don't you dare well it's even it's even more than that their out-of-state clients are saying their out-of-state clients are saying we want to come there to kill fish and that's what they're advocating for so out-of-state people are already telling you what to do i thought you didn't like that this is crazy uh, that you know that just wraps it up in a perfect lens because that has been in my head for the last 33 minutes and 54 seconds. And I've been waiting to put that out there and I'm putting it on a bumper sticker and sending 10,000 out to Baton Rouge because it is the most asinine, ironic statement possible. And the other thing too, to hear that, uh, to hear that COVID got brought up is pretty funny, but like what sucks about a lot of these conversations and the biggest issue is that you guys are in the room talking about the science and the information and the data and the situation that you guys have an opinion on. And the other people are in the room talking about you, not about, and about you as a person and your opinion on it. They're not talking, they don't have a, an idea about how the data might be misconstrued and it should be looked at a different way. Their first stance is you're a bad person. And this is this new age, you know, uh, politics where it's all about identity, where it's, okay, I'm going to chop your you down at the knees because I just have to prove that your opinion doesn't matter. It's not that your opinion is wrong. It's that it doesn't matter. And we got there after all the COVID stuff and the COVID stuff without even getting partisan, the COVID stuff made challenging science the most mainstream thing to do now, whether or not you, all your opinions on COVID outside of that was standing this is probably the era of the most challenge to traditional science. So that's just the easy way out now in this conversation is bad science, bad science. I think it absolutely made a lot of people question or second guess what, what they hear, you know, through media and all that kind of happy horseshit. Um, I think you're a hundred percent right, but it's like, and I'm not saying, for God's sakes, I'm not taking a position on that and saying anyone's right or wrong. But what I am saying is COVID did not change the laws of, like, physics. It did, it, it does not mean that you can... I just I keep going back to that duck meeting, guys. When, when they had the Menhaden NOI and then they had the Redfish NOI back a bunch of meetings ago, and the duck hunters got on and they're like, hey, we did a survey. There's this this many ducks fledged. Uh, the government of Saskatchewan and the state of Louisiana are going to work together. And here are all the nonprofits and we all get along. And based on all this science, this is how many ducks we can shoot. And instead of yelling and screaming and telling the scientists they were idiots and that they gave them COVID and all the other. And if you don't let us kill more ducks, 
uh, if you don't let us kill more ducks, we'll go out of business. All the duck hunters, all the groups, the state and another country's government all said, we're pretty awesome. This is great science. We all agree on this and we look forward to working together on this next year. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, how the hell did ducks get so lucky? How did people working for Delta Waterfowl and Ducks Unlimited get so goddamn lucky? Because they're not trying to kill each other over killing one more duck. Well, also, if if you think that your business is reliant on harvesting the most fish possible, and which we all do not think is true, but if that is your mindset and something told you, whoa, you might run out of fish here soon or the fish number will get low, would you not want to rip off the Band-Aid to get the fish level back up so that you could keep killing the most fish that you can? Yeah. Like you should want more fish in the water if you want to kill more fish, even if you're not a release guy. And so when the science is telling you, like, hey, this thing. is going to get tougher and tougher and tougher, and this is going downhill, it's that refusal to rip off the band-aid. It's going to result in, you don't really like three fish? Well, what if it gets the two fish or one fish or zero That's fish, the like the thing. other states that they've been mocking in their hearings? Well, because those states never made these decisions and never ripped off the band-aid and let things get to rock bottom. So it's like, you know, you start, start seeing yourself getting out of shape. It's like maybe you just start going to the gym a tiny bit instead of getting to 450 pounds and then deciding you're going to start running, you know? Yeah, I mean, and we had that same conversation. Like I was just telling Bailey earlier, I think it was two years ago, and I don't know when it was. It was sometime in the spring, but we were just coming. We were just, you know, the past two years we've had a low river and fishing has been good um, in the fall especially when the river's been low, I mean, not what it should be by any means. You know, I remember when I was a kid with much with the river this low and it wasn't just catch all the fish in the river. Like it's been this year. It's been, you know, a lot of this year has been a lot of localized population density. It's been like, you know, a lot of fish in a river, but there's none in, you know, blind Bay. There's none in the wheel, you know, like there should be in Venice. Um, same thing with Delacro. There's a bunch of fish in Lake Leary one day and there's none in the graveyard. All of a sudden, there's a bunch in the graveyard. There's none in Batola. There's none in Grand Lagoon. There's none in Grand Lake. None in Little Lake. I mean, it's it's localized populations that are, you know, just moving around because the water is good and they can travel everywhere. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, we're just we're. And if you look at any, if I know there's not a lot of people in that room today that have studied other stock assessments and other fisheries. I've done a ton of research. Speckled trout was my favorite thing on earth my entire life. Um, when I was at Wildlife Fisheries, I would literally carve through 40-year-old documents on information on speckled trout, and I did a lot of research on the crash in Texas because they literally had a crash in the speckled trout fishery in Texas, and it's like night and day. It's it's just so clear when you look at that and you see it's same thing. You could go read comments from meetings and all, and you see that you see that sh that de slow decline, and then there's a little uptick. And everything's good again for a year or two. And then it fell off the face of the earth and they close the fishery in Texas. You could not keep a speckled trout. I don't know how I don't remember how many years, but that's how bad it got. I mean, just I, I try not to scare people, but I'm like, I mean, we don't want to ever get to this point where somebody cannot keep a fish. And maybe that never happens. Maybe it happens in 10 years. Maybe it happens in 20 years. I hope it never happens because... I mean, that's going to cost me trips. People call me to keep a couple fish, you know. Um, that's going to cost some of my best friends or some of the guys that are out there killing a bunch of fish every day. I don't want them to miss out on trips because of that, you know. I mean, that's what we're trying to prevent. We're trying to prevent this becoming a Florida or a Texas or anything like that. So, you know, here we are. We're back. We're back in the game. This uh, This meeting today where... The science was terrible. Y'all don't know how to fish. You're from Connecticut and California, respectively. And um, and if you don't let me kill fish, I'm going to go out of business. That whole meeting today, those comments will all be collated and sent to the oversight committee. Um, and if they choose to have a hearing, those comments will be available. We'll see if uh, we'll see if they have a hearing. But here's the here's the big picture to kind of close it up for the listeners. The Guides Association advocated and won uh, for regulations at the commission for a 13 year recovery. 
That was rejected by the oversight committee. We came back and offered this compromise, but the key is we kept it at three fish, but did broaden the slot, but everything else stayed the same. And now that's been accepted again by the commission and it's going back to the oversight committee. Now, unfortunately, we had to give up a couple of years on the recovery for this. So we're to 16 years. We're still a far cry from the 30 years. Um, so really broaden the slot a lot, gave that to the people who were concerned about the tight slot, um, still at three fish. And this is going back to that oversight committee again. Tony, you're not going to believe it. Guess what? What? Uh, I just got a message from I won an F-150. Dude, that's awesome. I bought a raffle ticket like a couple weeks ago. I, uh, I just want a, a truck. This is sick. Sorry, guys. I sorry to sidetrack you. I just I just Well, I don't know, man. When you bought that raffle ticket, that was that was uh out of state money infiltrating the sanctity of uh God. the sanctity of in state organizations, you know. So what we're gonna do over the next little bit here is keep all of y'all up to date on uh same deal as before is when that hearing uh is gonna be if indeed it is scheduled we have our fingers crossed that this one will go through it's it's still a pretty darn bright future for redfish if we can get this through and it'd be a huge victory but you know i caution everyone listeners everyone included once you start to pull the thread on these sweaters it seems like it never goes away and it just becomes part of your day-to-day -day life so welcome to the terror dome everyone um i think even if we win this one it's going to be coming back and back and back and we're going to get stock assessment updates and some will be better and some will be worse and the the big thing is you got to educate yourself stay engaged um and you know be be part of the solution for conservation um and i think we're we're super fortunate to have bailey and ty and all the other homegrown louisiana folks who spoke up today um who are who are going to be there for the fishery for a very 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 long time so everyone thanks for hopping on here we will hear uh y'all y'all will hear from us on the outcome of redfish and we will let you know how to help thank y'all for listening to the guidepost <laughs>